Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 54. Cover scored, and I was there. Dancing Bill Ramsey. Looking to feed Lukaku. And doing so. Lukaku in. First chance for Robin and Lukaku. Things having to stretch as Kovacic gets there. And Kovacic takes full advantage. Lukaku seeking a second, getting a second, and crowning a great afternoon drive for Chelsea. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. Jack, how are we doing, sir? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Um, buzzing after a decent result, not a great performance, but a decent result yesterday, and as always, good to be back at the bridge. Yeah, no, that we'll get into that shortly. And joining us on the pod, he was actually our first ever guest on. So if there's any like real OG listeners out there, then you'll know that Tom Coley was our first ever guest alongside Rob Pratley. It's just Tom today, but Tom, how are we doing? I'm good, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be back on. It seems that I will only come back on when we win scratchy games and score three goals. (laughs) Yes, that is very true. That is very, very true. Um, As always with guests, I I get them to give themselves a little plug. So Tom, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter and where you can find some of your work? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Tom Coley 49. If you like rambling about Chelsea or cricket or other fun things. And uh, also lots of my work featured at the Chelsea social or the Chelsea social too, as we are at the moment, because, you know, Twitter are really, really helpful with uh, account suspensions and things like that. But we move on from that. That's where most of my work and our great team is. Um, Thank you very much for the plug. And that'll do me for the week. I'll be back on next week. No worries. No worries. Right. Let's get into it, Jack. Before we even go, just, you know, this is the mad thing that people don't realise that because Jack used to ball boy this yesterday was the first time Jack and I had actually sat together at a game since since October the 5th, 2014. That's how long it's been. October 5th, 2014, my 16th birthday, that was. Um, we beat Arsenal 2-0 and Diego Costa scored a chip. Since then, Jack has been ball-boying and then obviously gone off to Union. You know, you kind of paths change, etc. But yesterday was the first time we were sitting together for a long time. So, Jack, just tell me how nice would it just be back at Bridgeview for the first time since March 2020? Yeah, just 
just great to be back. Go to go to the pub before, get a couple of pints, just soak up the atmosphere before the game. And I don't think that um, that atmosphere and the kind of vibe around the place go into a match day. It just it never dies, no matter how many times you've been to Stamford Bridge. Um, there's always something special there. So just to soak all that up before the game. Um, we had some decent seats to be fair as well, didn't we? In the East Stand upper, although we were literally, literally couldn't have been any closer to the Villa fans. Um, so they were they were loud the whole game. Fair play to them. Even three 0 down, they were belting out songs left, right, centre. But yeah, just just great to be back. Because um, yeah, as you said, Nick, March twenty twenty. So it's been it's been a long, long time. Um, managed to get to a few of the away games in the Champions League final, but. Not, not to home. So, yeah, just be back on Tuesday again. So now we're we're rolling through through the games at the bridge. Yeah, no, it's like just really nice to be, you know, back at Stamford Bridge and say getting to meet up. One of the beauties of this season with bad games, actually getting to meet up with some of the good Twitter people. Got to meet up with a good friend of ours, Max, who you know was actually his first Chelsea game yesterday, and he, you know, nice to meet up with him. Couldn't have picked a better game and just meeting up with some other people. You kind of have got through knowing Twitter after the game. Really, really nice. But Tom, as Jack mentioned, you know, we weren't great against Aston Villa. We really weren't great, but we won 3-0. And that was pretty encouraging, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we are definitely going to play better than that and not win games because that's just the way football works. I think we'll actually probably do well to play worse than that this season. It was, especially for the first 45 minutes, it was pretty dreadful. I think we were all right at the start of the game, like um, hitting the bar and putting a bit of pressure on them. But other than that, I can't really think of too many times we actually had sustained pressure in their half, which isn't great. But at the end of the day, we're finding ways to win in more ways. You know, we're winning when dominating, we're winning when um, keeping the ball, we're winning playing on the counter attack, and we're winning now when we're playing badly. I think Tuchel will be very much like feet on the ground, won't get too excited by the scoreline, which I think a lot of people probably could do after beating Aston Villa, a very decent team, 3-0. But really, performance-wise, it wasn't great, and I'm sure Tuchel won't be happy with that. But you've got to take them. You know, 3-0 is 3-0. We've got games coming up. Six changes were made. You know, there's debuts, first appearances of the season in there. There's lots of factors at stake for why we didn't play well, but at the end of the day, you can't turn down a 3-0 win like that. No, exactly. I mean, you throw in fact, it was just after the international break, players coming back, players, they say, you know, people like, Christensen, Mason Mount weren't even required yesterday. So now it was it was encouraging to win that way. Jack, first player I kind of got to talk to about this, Mateo Kovacic. Um, are we sure that was him? Is he a different man in a number eight shirt? Because what a game from him yesterday. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of people this season as well, at the start of the season, a lot of people were kind of writing him off, saying it was just going to be Kante and Jorginho for the season, but we know with Kante and his injuries, etc., uh, he was always going to play a part, but he's really taken the chances with both hands and he's he's providing goal contributions left, right, centre at the moment, something everyone's been screaming out for him for the best part of two years. So, um, yeah, just to, see, just to see him playing with that kind of confidence, we know what he's always been good at, like, picking the ball up and and progressing the play, etc. And then to pick out that pass for that first goal uh, to Lukaku was just a brilliant, brilliant pass. It kind of reminded me of the um, 
pass that Fabregas played to Costa when we played Watford away, that kind of kind of pass, and then Big Rom doesn't do much the whole game and and just ruthlessly cuts in and slaps it in with his right foot. So um, yeah, it was a great start to the game there. Yeah, we see you talk about that first goal there and the goal Jack Zevenching is a uh, second game under Conte Watford away. Uh, in his first season, Conte, uh, Fabregas, Ball, Costa, yes, yeah, lots home. Uh, Tom, yeah, so not only did we get a Kovacic assist and a very good one of that, we then got a goal. And Jack and I can yeah. say we were there when Kova scored. I mean, y- y- it was honestly shock. Get the T-shirts printed. I've seen them, get them printed, wear them with pride. Um, I couldn't quite, but it's, it's, oh, it's a funny one. When Kovacic scores, it's almost like when Alonso scores. Obviously, Alonso scores more frequently, but it's like, oh, God, here we go again. They've scored. It's actually, like, comical. It, like, you celebrate the fact that it's Kovacic scoring a goal more than it's Chelsea. It just, it's quite funny. And by the way, what a finish. What a finish that is. He's tucked it away. So composed right in the corner. I do think it's pretty average goalkeeping as well from Steer, but, you know, we're not here to talk about that. And actually, as you were talking about the Fabregas pass to Costa, it reminded me a lot of Jorginho to Abraham away at Watford um, in 2019 as well. Just the sort of curve on the pass, the fact that he really shouldn't have been able to play that ball. But what a ball it was. Kovacic, the one word that comes to mind when you speak about him for me is he's an enigma. You don't know what you're going to get from him game in, game out. Defensively, he is still a massive liability. I'm convinced about it. Like, you don't put him in there for solidity. But on the ball, he's just dazzling his dribbling is just actually incredible I still can't quite work out how he does it he's just fantastic he almost thrives on being put in bad situations like Saul was giving him some pretty pretty poor passes to deal with but he actually deals with it because it gives him a chance to nip past defenders take the little sort of one touch two touch around people I love Kovacic I'm a really big fan of his I don't can't quite work out why because obviously he's not a box. He's a box-to-box midfielder that's pretty bad in both boxes. That's not. That doesn't bode well for a player. But he's likable. He adds something that not many other players actually add. Like, I can't think of many others. You've got people were speaking of Ndombele last year when you're talking of like press-resistant players. But he's better at dribbling than Ndombele. He's more progressive on the ball. In terms, people mentioned Thiago. Well, he's more passing than dribbling. You don't see Thiago playing out like Kovacic does with the ball at his feet. I actually can't think of many other midfielders that sort of come into his category of what he actually is. Now, that might be for a reason, because potentially you probably don't win league titles with Kovacic as a starting centre mid for a whole season. But he's so, so useful. And actually, seeing him get a goal and assist took me right back to, I think, Newcastle away last year. And he got an assist for... I can't, I, I genuinely, it's gone blank in my mind. I think he got an assist. Maybe it was Newcastle at home. It was Newcastle at home. That was it. And he played this lovely ball down the line. And thought, that's not a Kovacic pass. We don't see him do that. And he was actually playing really well as sort of an attack-minded eight. And he wasn't in that position yesterday. But if he can add that to his game, we say it all the time, if he can add that to his game, he could be one of the best midfielders in that role in the world. Yeah, no, nah, I completely agree. Stats yesterday, 89 touches, 61 out of 72 pass completed, nine times possession gained. You think of how many times Sal lost possession yesterday. One chance created, that was the assist for Lukaku's goal. Two shots, one on target, and finally his first goal at Stamford Bridge. So 
Yeah, honestly, that, that was honestly that was probably Kovacic's best performance in a Chelsea shirt at a time where we struggled, especially in that first half. But Kovacic was a man who put in a really, really strong, strong showing. Um, Jack, before I get on to Romelu Lukaku, I do want to have a word for Thiago Silva. And I will kind of throw him back free in general. But Thiago Silva yesterday, bearing in mind this is his first start of the season, he was immense. You think like that clearance from Watkins, like I, I don't know how Watkins doesn't score that. That was immense. But you look at stats, 60 accurate passes, 87, at 87%. Uh, four out of eight long balls completed, two out of two aerial dues, one, six clearances, four blocked shots, three recoveries, one interception, one tackle. Like, he was just getting there. Like, you, you kind of felt as, as soon as Villa got into a dangerous position, he was just there sniffing out yesterday. That's what he's been like since he's joined us. He he doesn't seem to put a foot wrong. He just, that's that's what's, what he's so good at. He's always one step ahead of the game, no matter what. He's yeah, might be slightly older, might have lost his pace a bit, but it's like John Terry when he was at Chelsea, when he lost lost a few yards of pace, he's still one step ahead of everyone. Um, and he, we we're running out of uh, words to describe Thiago Silva, to be honest. Since since um, we've been doing the pod and speaking about him, I mean, it's a, it's as, as long as we're not playing West Brom, then um, <laughs> he, he's he's had a class game pretty much, pretty much every single time he's played for us and. It, what what an asset to have there. Yeah, we've got someone like Christensen who's in the form of his life, who will probably who will probably come back in and it seems like he's first choice. But when you've got someone like Thiago Silva in your squads to to fill in and playing in playing games like that, um, it just shows shows how good our squad depth is and I really think that's gonna take us a long, long way this season. Yeah, I mean just kind yeah, of but, oh, go on, to Tom. say as yeah. well. He probably didn't know he was going to play or be eligible to play until like early yesterday slash sort of Friday night with all that international duty stuff. And you think back to the Liverpool game as well. He's probably thinking, I'm not going to come on. But he's just, his mindset, he's always ready. He's always been able to come on in any game and just perform like he's been there for so long. It The bloke's a freak, really, when you think about it. He's an absolute freak to be doing that at his age to that quality. If you didn't know his age, there's no chance you'd put him down for, for where he is. He's actually elite. Like, he's that good. He's world-class still. Yeah, no, and I, I remember being there, um, just being there at the Leicester home game last year, and I'm watching him, and I'm just said to people, you've just got to watch this guy in the flesh. Obviously, you can see what he does on TV, but you just watch him in the flesh and just how, you just see how how much of a great player he is. But yeah, he was immense yesterday, and Jack kind of continuing that line, the other two centre-backs, Trev came in, you know, obviously not played uh, since since Percy was on the bench against Arsenal. Then he came on against Liverpool late on as a sub. But again, I thought he didn't really do too much wrong yesterday. But he was solid at the back. You know, he had a tough job on that right-hand side because, you know, sort of Callum on bright wing-back role. But he did a really good job as well. Yeah, both, both of them, him and, him and Rudiger, I think for someone like Trevor to have that kind of father figure of someone someone like Rudiger to look up to uh, is just quality for him just to learn off learn off Rudiger, like things like aggression and things like that, because Rudiger's just an absolute madman, isn't he? I, yesterday, watching him so many times when uh, Alonso's out of position and he's having to charge over to the left to try and cover him and the bloke's running technique, I, I was just creasing it yesterday. He just like hunts people down, gets right in their face and He's that type of player we need, someone who's a bit of a shit house, to be honest. Um, 
yeah. And then and then Trevor again. I thought when he, I know he only came on for a few minutes against Liverpool, but um, I thought he gave the ball away a couple of times. He didn't look good that day. So for him to come in, start the game, and yeah, he was he was really solid. I don't think he really put a foot wrong. Um, was sensible when he needed to be. I think we got caught out a few times yesterday. People trying to trying to bloom and play it out from the back when you just needed to get rid of it. And and he seems like he he's the kind of player that's a bit no nonsense, knows when to get rid of it, knows when to play it. Um so yeah, the the whole the whole defence did quality and as did Mendy, I'm sure we'll probably get on and speak about him as well now. Yeah, just quick shout. I think one of my favourite moments from Rudy yesterday was when a ball just fell to him and he just decided, fuck it, I'm just going to smack it. <laughs> he just miles over the bar. But one day when Rudiger takes on this long shot, it's just going to go in. We're just waiting. We're just building up that XG. We're building up that XG very slowly. But one day, one's just going to go in the top bids and it's going to be beautiful. Um, Tom, the season. That is my moment of the season. That shot <laughs> is, the, is the best thing. I absolutely love that man. Yeah, you can't not love Antonio Rudiger. Uh, Tom, Edouard Mendy, the second game in a row, most saves made in a Premier League game by Edouard Mendy. Six against Liverpool, six against Villa. And he just conceded just obviously just one goal in those games. That was a penalty by Mo Salah. What, you know, what a performance from him yesterday. Because, you know, Villa did create a lot of chances. They did, they did cut us open a bit too easily at times. And Mendy was there to bail us out. He was exceptional. Um they say, uh, I think, keepers, when you win a league title, your keeper needs to win you between 10 and 15 points a season. And in the last two games, Mendy's won us four. Because without him, I think we lo- we probably end up losing both games with the goals that we would have conceded in the first half yesterday without him. It's just, he, it's not, yesterday was more actually about his shot stopping than the way he commanded his box. But every time the ball just comes anywhere near him, Literally, the whole box is his. He owns it. A cross comes in and you just expect him to come and claim it. Like with Alexander-Arnold in the Liverpool game, I was thinking, I'm not worried about his crosses because I know that Mendy's going to be so attacking to come and claim it. He's like, he's such an active goalkeeper in his mindset about, I'm going to come and claim. That's his first thought is that rather than can I get away with staying on my line? I've had questions about him. He's not amazing with his feet, let's be honest, but... You don't need. You don't actually need to be. He doesn't need to do that. Let's not try and make him something that he's not. He's not to Stegen. He's not Edison. He's not Neuer, and he's not the second coming or anywhere close to those guys. But he's a goalkeeper that does the basics, and he's doing them to a genuinely world class standard. He is probably the most reliable keeper in the world right now in terms of the basics. He might not add those other things to the game. But we also haven't needed him to. It's not like we're exactly crying out for a keeper that plays in, you know, the centre circle or makes 500 passes a game and can ping one over the top and get an assist. We don't need that. We've got other people to do that. For 22 million or whatever it was, it's the it's such a good piece of business. I have thought about what, you know, over the summer, people talking about Donnarumma, and I was like, oh, yeah, let's get him, he's free. No, there's absolutely no need for us now to get another first-choice keeper. He has earned it, and he deserves so much respect for it. What a story, and what a goalkeeper. And I think he is starting to believe it himself now. His performances are now built up over a year, and his stats, they can't lie. It's not in just a small sample size. It's a, it's a season long now, and he's continuing to prove it. Yeah, 
And even under, I don't know his exact stats, but under Tuchel, we've got 22 clean sheets in 35 games now, which is pretty, pretty immense. And even, you know, talk about him maybe not being as great of a ball at his feet. And to be fair, I do agree with you, but even then, he's still fairly good on the ball. There's obviously at times he looks a bit hair and scared, but he's still been, you know, fairly good with a ball at his feet. And yeah, he's just been immense since coming in. Jack, he like, we've got to talk about him. And I feel we're going to talk about this guy pretty much every week on the pod and just how inevitable he is. But Romelu Lukaku, 25 touches for Lukaku yesterday, apparently. Least of any outfield player. And he ends up with two goals, two really well-taken goals. It's just a different class. That's what I said to you and I said to the bloke that was sat next to us. He's different class. And like Tom alluded to with, with Mendy and goalkeeper saved, uh, winning us points, um, I completely agree. He probably saved us yesterday, but Lukaku saved us there as well. We might be 1-0 up and we're all wobbly towards the end of the game. That certainly would have been the case uh, a year ago or so. Um, <laughs> bloke's just lethal. Two, two, literally two, two half chances, I'd say. And and he slaps them both in the back of the back of the net, especially that last one. That was a top top finish, just straight into the roof of the net. Um, and yeah, I think a lot a lot of people will be uh, enjoying that for their fantasy football, of course, won't they? But I think he'll be he'll be right up there at the top at the top uh, at the end of the season for that golden boot race. Um, and just to have just to have someone of that quality in our team this season to score these important goals that release release pressure on on the rest of the team and settle us down it's 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 going to be huge for us and yeah i just i absolutely I absolutely love the bloke already um and just on another note for him personally for him to to get those get those two goals at the bridge his first goals at stamford bridge after you see those videos of him visiting on a stadium tour when he was younger saying he's not dreaming, I will play here one day, that kind of uh, story and narrative for him to go and go and achieve that yesterday. Um, I'm sure I'm sure he really enjoyed that last night and maybe had a couple of beers to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's, you know, he's realising his dream right in front of us. A match just, you know, really, really beautiful to see and say without win Chelsea yesterday, Chelsea became the second team to win 600 games in Premier League history only behind Manchester United. So, I mean, not bad that. Not bad that. Um, Tom, I guess we do have to kind of move on to some slight negatives because obviously, we, you know, we've been all positive. There were negatives. Salniguez, that was... Um, that was a baptism of fire, should we say. That was that was a struggle for him out there. Yeah, it was. Like, and I'm not going to become one of these people that bashes him and writes him off. Absolutely no chance, you know. But it wasn't good. It wasn't a good performance and he deserved being subbed off no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been at the club, no matter how bad your midfield depth situation is, he needed to come off. Um, but I'm not worried about it. You know, he, he's had such a good career to his point. He's still young. He's not known people very long. There were so many changes around him. Like he's got Chalabert and Hudson-Odoi and Ziek in the sort of triangle around him, not played together before those guys. You know, that they're not even in full flow if he slotted into a team next to potentially Jorginho Christensen Aspilicueta James and Mount or Havertz on that right hand side it might have looked a bit better but it didn't I'm not worried by it at all it was staggeringly off the pace of it though it was quite remarkable just how much time he thought he had and some of the passes really were abysmal but 
it's it's fine. I'm not worried. You know, we we, we could bring on the player of the year in midfield to replace him. And by the way, just not that it's about Jorginho, but it actually showed how much worse off without Jorginho we really are. Just no matter what your queries are about Jorginho, we look worse without him. And I think a lot of teams would. I'm not worried about Salniguez at all. He'll hopefully get some more minutes in midweek in the Champions League uh, because that's a stage he's obviously got experience on um, for Atletico Madrid. So I think he might be able to slot into that team a bit better, build up the minutes in the legs as well. And also he's not, he's had what, maybe like two days with the full squad. He's obviously been here over the international break, but he's not actually been with the full squad. There's so many factors again for Saul, really, really not worried at all, but it wasn't a good performance and people will banter him and say whatever they want. But I think if you're going to grow up a little bit, he'll be fine. Yeah. And just remember Tiago Silva had a rocky debut as well and look how he bounced back there as well. And yeah, I think also it just kind of shows up like how far we've come. The fact that, you know, we people, you know, we were basically begging for Jorginho to come on at half time. And, you know, who would have caught Chelsea fans saying that like a year or so ago? So it just also kind of just shows, you know, the progression Jorginho's made, not just like on himself, but also just within the fan base as well. But, you know, he's now one of the more my most trusted players in this team. And yeah, Jack, uh, I kind of talk about it. Hakim Ziyech start, frustrating, you know, he, what, he, he put it about a bit defensively, kind of won, you know, won the ball back a bit. It was just a bit predictable, I felt, with with the crossing. And it was just it was just kind of frustrating. But it kind of again, it didn't really feel like him or Havertz really clicked in attack yesterday playing with Rom. No, no. Can I just quickly say as well, just on the on the last point yeah. uh, we were going on about Sal, just there was a few like I think one of his first touches and he just got absolutely clamped. And I thought, right, that's that's a welcome to the Premier League, mate. But the few times he was getting caught in possession. Um, just from being too slow, like Tom said, and just thinking he'd got so much more time than he did. But then I've seen I've seen Havertz be like that when he first joined us. He got pushed off the ball easily, would lose possession easily. And there were a couple of instances yesterday where I saw him against someone like John McGinn, who, yeah, he's a lot shorter, but John McGinn's a stocky guy, strong, strong player. And I saw Havertz, saw Havertz holding him off um, and, and retaining possession of the ball. And it's things like that. It's that Sal Niguez will get used to. It just needs the time and adjustment to, yeah, adjust to to the style in the Premier League and how physical it is. Um, so I, I'm, I'm like Tom, I think, yeah, we just need a bit of time. He'll be all right. Uh, maybe, maybe it was a bit silly on Tuchel's part, um, throwing him straight in, but, but, um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Hopefully, he'll do well in midweek. But yeah, sorry, going to Ziyech. Yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't know. He, to be honest, other than like when I when I said to you, Nick, like a few times, and he cutting in on his left and and whipping the ball, whipping the ball in the box, looking for Rom. Yeah, the first time it's good, but I think he did it about two or three times in that first half, and Jed Steer just comes and claims it straight away, and it's just like we said, very, very predictable. And yeah, we, we were applauding him quite a few times for work off the ball, uh, tracking back, winning the ball back a few times. But other than that, I, I honestly can't really remember what he did at all, really. Can't can't remember too much, which uh, is it's never a good sign, is it? So yeah, he's just, he's just a very 
frustrating frustrating character and when you're given the chance like that because of the likes of Mason etc coming back from from international duty it's his chance to try and take it and and he didn't and neither did Callum either to be honest so um there's a re- there's a reason why those other boys start start the games and I think uh, yesterday pretty much showed it really yeah, Tom, I kind of want to ask you about Callum. And we have got questions on Callum, so we'll also, you know, get to kind of go into bets more depth then. But it did feel yesterday that yesterday was a chance for Callum Hudson-Odoi and he didn't necessarily take it. And you can argue right wing back is a game the best out of him, etc. But he did have a little bit of time, albeit I guess not a huge amount, but he did have a little bit of time out on the left. But it was just, I guess, the thing that got frustrating with Callum is he just, you know, he'd sort of take a man on and then he just sort of, you know, step back and like pass it but it didn't seem really you know actually really brave on the ball and confident in himself to to properly I guess take men on you know he didn't really seem like he would be putting balls into the box a huge amount no it was just I feel like for both of them there's I feel bad for both of them because they were both included and this is Saul as well they were both part of a team this is Ziek and Hudson-Odoi they were both part of a team that had six changes made to it and then didn't play well on the day as a whole and it's yeah. like what I said before with Saul. If he was in a team that were playing well with James Havertz, maybe Jorginho, uh, Aspilicueta, all around him, maybe he slots in a bit more seamlessly. And I feel like Hudson Odoi was could have been the same. You know, if there's nothing, we've got to rotate. We've got this big squad for a reason. But I don't think the six changes particularly helped win anybody's individual performance because they're not used to to playing this way. And with Hudson Odoi, there's always such a big thing now when he plays. It's Hudson Odoi's got to take his chance. Hudson Odoi's got to take his chance. Can we just let the guy play and see how he does? He didn't shine. He didn't do much wrong. Obviously, against Villa, you would have hoped we'd have had a bit more of the ball. He'd have been able to advance up the pitch, but he wasn't. So he was obviously defending a fair bit. And I think him and Trev on the right hand side did do a decent job. But you could see Chalaba was having to cover for him because Hudson Odoi wanted to be upfield. It was just frustrating and I hope he gets more minutes in midweek again because it's the sort of game that you can look at in isolation and say well Hudson-Odoi hasn't done anything to prove that he deserves to keep starting games but it's also like he's young with 100 appearances for Chelsea but none no real consistent patch in there he's not playing in his favourite position he's not playing with the sort of first 11 as well I'm not saying he's been set up to fail, but I don't think he's also been set up to succeed yet at Chelsea. And I would like to see it. But with the strength and the depth in our squad, it's not Hudson Odoi is not in a position to be to be picking and choosing when he can play well. He has to play well every time because Tuchel said he's the first backup. He will get times and he will get minutes, but it's when he plays that he has to prove himself. It's a it's a really hard one to call the Hudson Odoi situation. I don't know where I fully stand on it. He wasn't great. He hasn't proved a point yesterday, but it also wasn't really really bad. I would like to see him get more minutes as well because he's not really going to play against Spurs or Man City, is he? Um, and the the Villa game in a few you know in a few weeks um, in the cup. Is that next week? In fact, you know, there's a chance here he might have if he plays in midweek. He'll have three starts in two weeks. That'd be big for him to then potentially drop down, spend more time on the bench while the bigger games come up. It's yeah. a really tough one for me to sort of sit either side of the fence for Hudson-Odoi. I do feel bad for him, but you also want him to do more when he plays. 
Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you there. But it is just a tough one with Cam because it's, it's got to a point now where because of all the midfield options, the, the attacking options, but he's kind of having to do a role that, you know, we don't, is it necessarily the best for him? But he's got to try and make the most out of that opportunity. And then when he gets the opportunity, the rare opportunity to actually play in a more attacking role, it just feels like there's so much more pressure on him. And he, as I say, hasn't necessarily been afforded the same opportunities as others. But yeah, it is. It is just a really tough one. Uh, we're going to move on to listener questions. First one comes in from Travis. He goes, has Kovacic started, started to become similar to Jorginho and overwhelmingly win over fan base? I'm close to saying he's earned my full trust as a good player. I'm not quite there yet, but Tom, what about you? No, I wouldn't say I'm there yet. He's got my trust as a good player. I know yeah. he's a good player. I think he's a brilliant player. Um, I don't think he ever had that level of hatred like Jorginho did, so he hasn't got the same sort of overcoming to do but I guess it's trusting him for big games especially defensively and discipline I think the interesting thing if we just look ahead here is Gallagher who is impressing so much and I think we're all huge fans of in this fan base because he's that good he will be fighting for Kovacic's position you would imagine like around him and do we see ourselves in a year's time where we think actually Gallagher could be above Kovacic in the pecking order. That's a really interesting thing to think about as well. Like, that's that's where Gallagher needs to get himself to in a year's time. Can he build up the discipline to then be a proper, proper box-to-box player? Because Kovacic isn't quite that. He's got a specific skill set, but he's not the proper box-to-box player. He's the enigma. That's all I've got. I, yeah. Again, it's it's really hard to pull definite conclusions when you talk about Kovacic. He's good, and I wouldn't say he's, the situation is close to Jorginho's one really at all. Um, but he's impressing, and I don't think there will have been many doubts from many fans about his ability, as opposed to potentially what he actually does bring to the team. Yeah, exactly. I think obviously, you know, social media is not always the best way to judge. You have those who, you know, completely overrate him, and those who don't rate him at all. When the reality is, there's a, there's a middle ground that probably, you know, not enough people are in. But then it's Twitter and it's all black and white. Um, yeah, Jack, sort of any quick thoughts thoughts on cover because you know it, it is is kind of he's he can be frustrating as well because we've not even mentioned you know because we've been very you know praiseworthy on this call because we want to be praised you know praise him a lot. But even still, yesterday there are still times where you're getting frustrated with his final ball at points. He's got an assist and a goal, but we're still getting frustrated with final balls. And you you know I've not brought it up till now because you really don't want to be critical of because he had a really good game. And was, you know, definitely probably man of the match. But he's still, even then, there's still areas he needs to work on. Yeah, he, he could have had another two assists, I think it was there. Uh, it's, we can't we can't uh, batter him too much when when he's pulled out a goal and an assist yesterday. It's, it's progress at the end of the day. If he can pull those out every every couple of games, then, then he'll be laughing at the end of the season. Um, I still question how much game time he will get. If can when Kante is because when Kante is fit, he will play, and it will be him and Jorginho. Um, so we'll we'll just have to see how well the medical team can can manage Kante this season, really, because um, yeah, it seems like he's he's picking up a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of injury problems and and becoming quite injury prone. So we'll have to see there, but yeah, on the whole, covers. Cover's been class this season, and and he just like we said, he just needs to just needs to keep the momentum going at the end of the day, um, because he is a top player, and he just needs to take it to that to that next level. 
Yeah, I think you say it's just consistency with Cov. And we sort of mentioned, you know, it, you look at Kovacic's career and it's just very stop-start, 18-19 under Sari when he was on loan. We didn't know what he was. What We were like, what is Kovacic? What does he offer other than being subbed off at the 60th minute for Ross Barkley? You know, that that, that was what he was. 19-20 under Frank, you know, he was good. I don't think he was as, was as good as people say he was, but I still think he was, you know, really good. Then 2021, he what he didn't reach those same levels he did in 1920, but was still had some good moments. And then it feels like this year, he started the season off really strongly. I'd say I know it's only four league games in, and you know it doesn't really matter at this stage. But I'd say four games in, and he's probably, probably I'd say our player of the year when you look at it because he had a really strong, he had a strong showing against Palace, strong showing against Arsenal, and was involved in in Lukaku's goal at Arsenal. You know, was strong against Liverpool, really strong when put under pressure, losing. Uh, losing Kante, uh, and then yesterday again was really good. So I know it is early days, but I'd say, yeah, in terms of overwhelmingly winning over fan base, I think it's tough because Kovacic, I feel, is going to be... Kovacic is one of those players who I think is probably going to... If, if you want to overwhelmingly win over fan base, he's probably going to have to do some reach Jorginho-esque levels of like what he did in the Champions League last year to fully win over the fan base. But I don't think there's that same level of trepidation necessarily with him as there was with Jorginho for a long time. Um but yeah, he's clear. He's clearly doing enough to prove why he's a really valuable squad member, but yeah. he's not doing enough to make us think, wow, this guy needs to start when everyone's fully fit. And part of that comes down to the levels of Jorginho and Kante. And part of it comes down to the sort of type of player he is. And I really think to add sort of onto what you just said, Nick, that he's going to struggle to win over a fan base because you can't actually not that it's all about numbers, but you can't really quantify what he does in a game. You know, you can say that Jorginho calms the game down. He makes all these passes and he, di- he dictates the tempo of a game. Kovacic is never going to do any of those things, nor is he going to be a bully in defence, nor is he going to be an amazing goal-scoring assisting midfielder. So it's going to be really hard to win people over because they can't see his output as simply as you can see Jorginho's. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. He is... I've always kind of felt he's a bit of a luxury player. And when you're playing well and, you know, you've got a good team around him and a player like him is brilliant. But, you know, there have been times in the past where you question, can we have a player of his luxury in our team? But, yeah, no, it's a tough one. Kovacic, re- Kovacic really is, is the enigma, but he started the season off really well. Next question from David. Do you think Sal is still in Spain asking for a friend but says he didn't turn up this afternoon? We've kind of... Bring, we've, we've, I won't spend long on this because we have gone in on Sal. Uh, not gone in on Sal, we have sort of analysed his performance um yeah jack just just a case of just wasn't a baracious yeah yeah he's 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 yeah yeah everyone's it's the 100 meter race and the gun's gone and everyone's about 50 meters down the down the runway and he's still in the blocks that's what that's what it was like but like we've like we've discussed earlier he just he just needs the time to time to adjust to the premier league because it is quicker more physical uh, you've got better better teams throughout the whole league, so yeah, it just needs the time, and hopefully, hopefully, with that time and and the training with with the full team over the next few weeks, he'll get used to that, used to that um, that tempo, etc., and and then he'll be able to make a decent mark when he's when he's called upon. Yeah. Okay. Next question. I'm going to combine these two. Uh, there, Carl, who asks, is Alonso our number left number one left wing back or Chilwell? And Anna, who goes, what did you make of Marcus Alonso's performance? I guess one to you. Some, I kind of feel like we saw... It, it's. I find it really hard to analyse that Marcus Alonso performance yesterday. I can't lie. 
<laughs> if oh, Captain times, Alonso. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Marcus Alonso was captain. Ow. Like, and, then, and as P, Silva was on the pitch, Alonso was captain. And then as P came on, Alonso still had the armband. Um, it, it was a bit of a wild ride. Yeah, I think we kind of saw a point. Alonso was quite good attacking, and at times he didn't really fancy defending, and Rudy kind of bailed him out. But Tom, what did you make of Alonso's performance? And is he, you know, the number one left wing back currently? If Kovacic is an enigma, my God, I don't know what Alonso is. That guy, I just, he, it's like what I said, when Kovacic scores, it's funny. When Alonso plays well, it's actually funny. I can't quite believe it's happening. I think quite passionately about this. I still think Chilwell is probably our number one choice. Yeah, He's clearly the better all-round defender. He's clearly the better all-round player. He's been pretty much screwed over over the summer, though. You know, you don't go from being the Champions League winning defender to not playing. Like, Tuchel, he likes him. But he hasn't had any minutes with England. He had basically no preseason friendly time as well. So he's clearly not match fit. He's come back in and Alonso scored the opening goal of the season. He's then been pretty good against Arsenal and then pretty good against Liverpool. Chilwell just hasn't had time. I actually thought Chilwell might have got on the pitch yesterday just to give him some minutes. Chilwell just needs minutes. When he gets going, he'll be fine. Alonso is the perfect backup to Chilwell because he's always there niggling around with a last minute goal or a some moment you know to be the captain or whatever he's always there and he seems really quite indebted to Tuchel which I like Tuchel's managed to get this part of Alonso that we didn't think still existed Chilwell is still going to play lots and lots of football and he will be the number one left back left wing back at some point this season but it just hasn't quite worked out yet I wouldn't be worried if I was Chilwell or a massive Chilwell fan I just think it's not quite worked out so far this season because of Alonso, and you can't you can't turn that down. If you're too cool, you can't risk doing what Lampard did and isolating Alonso even for a game because he might just turn completely sour, and then we've got no backup. Yeah. It's working out fine, other than the fact that Chilwell's has not played any minutes yet. Yeah, and I, you know, we will get on to Chilwell's potential minutes with these next two questions again. Jay, who would you want to see in the Zen game? Personally, I'd like to see Chilwell back on the side. And RJ, based on this performance, what changes would you like to see for the Zen match? So what I'll do is I'll. I'll go for. I'll get us to all to go through our team together. So I guess we're all in agreement that Edward Mendy stays in goal for this game. Uh, not of heads, yes. Uh, right wing back is interesting. Reese James is back available. Do we play him at right wing back? Do we give Callum Hudson a doy another star at right wing back? Do we maybe play our Cesar Aspilicueta at right wing back? Jack, who's your right wing back for this game? Um. I'll probably I'll probably say Callum, you know, just to give him just to give him more minutes. I can't see him playing in those in those higher roles, like on the left, where where I'd argue he is his best position. I can't see him playing there. So I think if he's going to play, it's going to be in the wing back role. So I'll play Callum on Tuesday. All right, Tom, who's your right wing back for Tuesday? Yeah. Just out of the sake of being easy, I think I'd probably pick the same thing. There's there's just too many factors. Like genuinely, Kepper could play. He could play just just to give him minutes. Kepa could actually play. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for Callum as well. Um, I think he could play like in a forward role on Tuesday, but also it would be a risk to go into any Champions League game with a front line which could look something like Werner, uh, Mount or Havertz and Callum. It's just not quite going to gel the same way. So I think, yeah, keep Callum at right wing back. Okay. In terms of a back three, are uh, we sticking with Trevor Chalabera right centre back? <coughs> Or does Cesar Aspilicueta come back in, Jack? Um, I, 
I mean, Trevor doesn't really deserve to not start that game after how he played yesterday. But personally, for first Champions League game back and the experience, I'd I'd bring Aspi in. All right, Tom, Aspi or Trevor for right centre back? Yeah, I think the same thing. Get your captain back in first Champions League. Champions League winning captain as well. You, he's got to play. I'd love to see Trevor play, um, but he's going to get plenty of opportunities this season and other Champions League games he'll have as well. Fair enough. I'm going to just say Trevor Chalaber, right centre back, because I want him to play. <laughs> um, middle centre back, Andreas Christensen or Thiago Silva. Obviously, we've got Spurs in mind of a weekend as well. So he has to, does, there, there, there definitely does have to be one eye, I guess, on that game. So, Jack, who's your middle centre back, Silva or Christensen? Um, I honestly wouldn't mind with with either, to be honest. I'm just thinking if Christensen hasn't played since midweek internationally and then he hasn't played yesterday, um, I think he'll need some minutes before playing that Spurs game because he will probably play in that game. So I'd maybe suggest start Christensen and then if everything's going to plan and we're winning comfortably, I'd bring him off and bring Silver on for the last half an hour or so. Okay, Tom? Yeah, completely agree. I think Christensen plays to build up minutes for the weekend and starts at the weekend as well. Fair enough. I'm guessing we're kind of all in agreement, but left centre-back is Tony Rudiger. Yeah. Yes. Get him, another sh- get, him an- get him another shot from the halfway line, I beg. Right. Left wing back. Is this the match we bring back Ben Chilwell? I'm saying yes. Jack, what are you saying? I agree. Yeah. Tom? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Midfield two. Kante, Tuchel has said, might be back, but I'm going to rest him for this game still. I just want to keep him wrapped in cotton wool for Spurs. So, who is our midfield pairing? Jack, what are you saying? Um, I think Cover's got to play after yesterday. And I think Tom said it earlier, and I agree. Like we we've said this before, like last year when Havertz wasn't quite adjusting to the Premier League, we said Champions League will might be better for him because the tempo of the play is slightly uh slightly slower in the Champions League. So I wouldn't be surprised if if he went for Kovacic and, and Saul again. Um but I wouldn't mind if he started covering Jorginho and then brought Saul on for the last half an hour. So, either or. Fair enough. Tom, who's your midfield pairing? Yeah, I can only be boring and really agree with Jack again. Um, That's fine. That's I would, fine. I'd, I'd, I'd take either of them. I think Kovacic will play, definitely start. And then if he's with Saul again, fair enough. He's, you know, used to Champions League minutes. Um, and if it's Kovacic and Jorginho, so be it. They'll be as solid as ever. I really don't mind who it's going to be. Enough. I'm going I'd like go... to see. I'd like to see Saul get yeah. Saul get more minutes. So I'll go Saul and Kovacic yeah. to start with. Yeah. I just don't just don't let him be stuffed off at half time. Like yeah. <laughs> we get we get worried that happens on Tuesday. Yeah, no, I'll agree. I'll go Kovacic and Saul. I think this game would be best suited for Saul. And again, I think you know we saw Georgia quite a bit of strapping on his leg. He's played quite a lot of football recently, so I want to rest him. This is where I think it gets very interesting picking the front three. I'm guessing, just, I feel this is the most obvious one. I'm guessing we're all starting Romelu Lukaku up front still. Yeah. Yes. Right. Left-hand side. Who is on the left-hand side? I've, I want Timo Werner to get an opportunity. So I've got Timo Werner on the left-hand side. Jack, Tom? Yeah, got to be Werner for me. Let's, let's see this link up. There's so much talk about it. We're not going to know until we see it. Um, Werner needs minutes. He also did fairly well in the Champions League in terms of sort of 
goal contributions, which again, is not everything, but it's important. He's got some confidence flowing as well, Werner, from international duty. Let's get him playing where he used to play in the Champions League. Yeah, those two. Jack's in yeah. agreement. Right, right yeah, hands, yeah. right hand side. Does Mason Mount come back in? Do we give Kai Havertz a game? Do we give Hakim Ziyech another opportunity? What do we do? Because do, do, does Mason Mount miss two games in a row? No. <laughs> I don't think no. so. I think no. he, he's playing. <laughs> he's starting. Okay, so Can't both play. boys have gone Mason Mount. So I'll just quickly run through the teams. We've got Edouard Mendy in goal, left wing back Ben Chilwell, left centre back Tony Rudiger, middle centre back Andreas Christensen, right centre back though the two boys went Aspi, I went Trev, and then right wing back we all went Callum Hudson Odoi. Uh, in centre and midfield we both went Saul and Kovacic. Uh, on the left we won Timo Werner. Up front we won Romelu Lukaku, and on the right hand side Mason Mount. Right in in your team, Nick, with no Aspilaqueta, uh, no Jorginho. Uh, no Thiago Silva is Mason Mount captain I quite like that Tom I hadn't even thought of that but I like that suggestion so yes yes I'm going to roll with that Mason Mount captain right after he's had that lovely banner or that lovely crowd surfer you know just played about the Yardy lower yes he could get the captain's armband for me on Tuesday evening that's good no, he can't possibly be captain he's only 22 remember he can't be oh, captain it's not allowed <laughs> James is also too. What is racist if uh, if James isn't captain? Oh God, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole again. But yeah, so I'm going to. So there's going to be some sections of Chelsea Twitter if they listen, who will be pleased with my answer, and some that will be get the pitchforks out and their red crosses. Um, right. <laughs> Next question comes in from Patrick. What did you make of Thomas Tuchel's in-game adjustment? In-game adjustments are they incredible? Or amazing. So obviously the first sub was bringing Jorginho on for Saul. I think we all agree that was a pretty good, very good change. The second one was Azpilicueta for Havertz. Um, I think it was Havertz, yeah. I think that seemed a fair enough get decision, sure the game, and actually allowed Callum hudson to play further forward. And then the third one was Timo Werner for Callum hudson You know, could Timo maybe have come on slightly earlier? But Jack, what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't quite say the uh, adjustments yesterday were uh, like amazing and incredible. I think it was uh, kind of obvious what needed to be done, especially with the one at half time. He had to be taken off, so um, yeah, that 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 just had to be done. Um, as P was a good shout, give the captain some minutes um, and allow Callum to go further up, but then Callum was taken off about. 10, 15 minutes after that. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a bit of a strange one. I thought he could have taken off Ziyech instead of Callum then, maybe. But he's chosen what he's chosen. And then, yeah, I agree with with what you said, Nick. I think Timo certainly could have come, come on earlier and fully deserved to as well after getting, I think he got three goals and an assist in, in international duty. I know he missed an absolute stinker as well. But... Um, he deserved to come on earlier, and I think that's why that's why we've gone for him for for Tuesday night to start. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, these next two questions are pretty similar, so I'll combine them. We've already discussed Cam's performance, but Hadi asked, uh, "Do you think we'll get to see Callum in a more attacking role?" And Connor goes, "Will we ever see Callum play more than five minutes in his preferred position, or should we have just sent him out on loan?" Ah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, it kind of says it all, but in like a previous question, we've literally all got Callum hudson at right wing back just to get the boys some minutes because we've, we've all kind of accepted he's not going to start instead of Timo Werner on the left-hand side and Mason Mount comes back in. So I kind of feel that previous 
previous answer just that has answered that question. But unless I, th- I think two, to add. I think Tuchel was almost pitiful for Callum bringing on Aspilicueta just so he can play left wing. It was like, ah, oh, you know, we're two up. This is comfy. We'll, we'll do this. I don't really want to, but we'll do it anyway, just to just to please him for you know an extra few minutes. It, I don't think there's much to it. It's not happening, is he? He's not playing left wing in this formation. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, next question, Joe. What are the minimum expectations of this team this season without it being considered a disappointment? So, again, I'm just going to link back to this. Before the start of the season, Jack, myself and Adam Newsom made some season predictions. We all said Chelsea had to win the Super Cup and the Club World Cup as well as having a meaningful league title challenge. We all kind of think had us coming second, I believe, at the time we recorded. Obviously, we've won the Super Cup, the Club World Cup. You know, we were just waiting to know when that will go ahead, but you'd back us to win it. And I also said I did think we might win the League Cup this year. Um, but, Tom, for you, what are the minimum expectations of this team this season without it being considered disappointment? Because it does almost feel that expectations are starting to rise now, especially with recent performances. Yeah, I agree with the Super Cup. Nice to win that. I agree with the Club World Cup. It'd be really nice to win that as well. A domestic cup. Um, it'd be nice to get back on, you know, actually winning an FA Cup. Um, or the League Cup, either of them. I, I'm actually quite relaxed with the league. Um, I fully, fully expect us to be in the top two, and we really should be in the top two. But I'm just so at ease with this squad right now. I'm so happy and enjoying Tuchel, the youth, the transfers. Just there's so much to like about this Chelsea team right now. I'm not even really thinking about winning the league at the end of the season. If we didn't win the league, we don't win the league. I know we'll have given it the absolute best we could because of our manager and our squad. It could be unbelievable if we do, but it just seems this is the most balanced Chelsea have been for so long. I think if we finish outside the top two, something at some point will have gone wrong and that'll be a disappointment. But I don't think it'll be a failure because there's some seriously good teams in the league right now. It's really competitive. And we are going 100% in the right direction. It's really hard for a team to go from being fourth to winning the league overnight. You know, it doesn't just happen. I'd love us to win the league. In fact, I think I think we, we can. And I don't want to say I think we will, but I think we will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, I'm not bothered about thinking that far ahead. I just want to enjoy watching this team because it's a breath of fresh air right now. I love everything about Chelsea Football Club right now. Yeah, I'm just going to make a really bold prediction here. Touch wood, we win our next two games and Romelu Lukaku stays fit. We'll have 16 points from our first six games and we'll have played arguably some of our toughest fixtures at the start of the season. And I think we could go on a Liverpool 19-20 title blitz and just go on an incredible run. I think that is possible, providing we win the next two games and Romelu Lukaku stays fit. So it's a big if, but I think it's very possible. Um, Jack, anything to add or...? No, I think you boys covered it pretty well there. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, next question, Paul. Do you agree Mendy is a fantastic find thanks to Petacek? I think, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Petter knows a goal. When Petacek recommends a goalkeeper, you listen. I think it's it's simple as that. Um, next question, Campbell. The similarities between Saul and Thiago's debuts and the physicality and intensity of the game. I think if that was kind of just for comparison we kind of drew earlier that both, you know, both had a rocky start. Interesting, both against Midland sides. Um, but yeah, both both just just struggled and, you know, just a bit off the pace. But, you know, yeah, the similarities are there. But, you know, we've got now see how Sal bounces back. Um, Dan, Romelu Lukaku, discuss. 
So I'm just, you know, Jack, Bromley Lukaku, what do you want to say about him? He's going to win us the league title, mate. That's what he's going to do. He's going to fire us there, hopefully. Nah, I just, oh, we've said it all before. He, he, he's one of the top, top strikers in probably one, yeah, top, top five striker in strikers in the world at the moment. And if he keeps up the scoring vein that he's that he's had it into the last couple of seasons with us, um, we're going to be right up there because you've seen how good our defence is now under Tuchel. So if we can have him firing firing the ball in the back of the net, we're we're going to be laughing, I think. Yeah, Tom, any Romelu Lukaku thoughts you want to add? We've heard it all before with Lukaku. We know how perfect this is. We know where he's at. We know where the club's at. We know that they go hand in hand so perfectly. Um, we know how good he is. Um, there's just such a good feeling about Lukaku at Chelsea. And I uh, asked Jay this the other day. Um, in fact, I think it was yesterday. Is Lukaku, and I think the answer is yes, the best calibre of striker we've had at the club ever? Because Costa was good, really good. But would I think Lukaku's better. Lukaku's like probably a top two striker in the world right now. I don't think Costa was ever that level. He was really good for Chelsea, but I don't think he was ever that level. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it seems just broken how good he is. He's got everything to his game. As I say, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but he's immense. Yep. If Romelu Lukaku goes on the scoring drought from here on in, you can blame Tom Coley for this. Um, <laughs> I, I said, I remember I came out um, in my last podcast saying I was excited about Werner as I was about Hazard. And, you know, that happened. So cut this bit, maybe. The Tom Coley kiss of death has been enforced and we will be keeping it in. Um, right. Final questions. They're very similar. Uh, Britt, do you think the depth of our ro- roster this season can be the biggest helper throughout the season? And Jam, thoughts on general squad r- rotation throughout the season? Both kind of, uh, LinkedIn, but Jack, do you think you know our depth can be a huge help this season? Obviously, given that we saw the amount of play quality we left on the bench yesterday, and you know the, the fact there will be a lot of opportunities to rotate this season. Hundred percent, we saw and we said it before before the game. We thought it was a bit of a strange like lineup, leaving that many of the boys out. I know they've been on international duty, but leaving that many of them out and seeing Alonso as captain, things like that, it was like this is a bit strange today, but. Um, when you're able to do that as we were yesterday and go and beat a good team 3-0 uh, not playing very well those are the games that win you league titles at the end of the day you don't play well and you still get three points and we got those three points comfortably as well so um, the, the squad the squad depth in in, um, in our team is honestly I think it's one of the best we've we've ever had since I've been supporting Chelsea and uh, with the amount of games we're going to have when we've got Club World Cup, things like that, we're probably going to be playing 60, 70 games this season. Um, and it, when it comes around to like Christmas time, etc., that's when you're going to need these players when you've got two or three uh, games every two or three days, etc. So uh, the, as long as Tuchel can man-manage them well and keep everybody happy um, and give people minutes um, when required, then... That's that's gonna take us places and that will win us trophies for sure. Yeah, you throw in the AFCON as well, and there will be chances for players, and we will need players to step up in that period. Uh Tom, thoughts on just you know the general depth of our squad and how much it can help us throughout the season. Yeah, it's huge. Um it's ridiculous, uh, sort of depth levels. It's probably unrivaled 
Um, potentially only Man City over the last couple of seasons have got anything close to that sort of depth. I don't think anyone else in the league right now does. I think that's where Liverpool are going to fall foul this season is their depth. And I think Man United are probably fairly similar. Our depth is ridiculous. Playing devil's advocate a little bit, it is also going to be really hard to manage uh, for Thomas Tuchel. Because even us talking about what's going to go on in, you know, on Tuesday, we can't actually pick a right wing back and a right centre back because there's so many factors about who can play where and how many different players can play where and are we looking ahead too far. It's really hard to try and win games of football individually, take them all very seriously, every competition, and also rest and rotate a team that will need it at some points. You know, like I wanted us to go into yesterday with our strongest team just to make sure we won. And we ended up rotating six plays and still won 3-0. You know, it, it's, it, it can be a hindrance at points, I think. But in Tuchel, we've got a manager here that isn't going to isolate players. He's going to give players more opportunity than I think most fans would. Um, it, if we can manage it properly, it is the foundation for what could be an incredible season. Yeah, no, I think you look at the depth in our squad, obviously, you know, left wing back, you know, we've talked quite openly a lot about this. Benji was not even featured this season. We've got him to come in and play a crucial part. You can maybe argue is the left centre-back role maybe a slight issue, but then I'm sure we could maybe try and find, you know, one of the centre-backs could maybe move across there and do a job there. In the central of midfield, obviously, you know, we're hoping Sal comes good because if Sal does have a difficult start and we can't necessarily rely on him and then we have issues with Kante, then you are putting a lot of burden on Jorginho and Kovacic. But that, that is maybe the only slight worry. We've but then... Ross Barkley, remember? <laughs> yeah, seeing a rare Ross Barkley on the bench yesterday yeah. was um, interesting. And yeah, obviously Ruben Loftus. See, this is sad, man. When, see, I'm just going to go back to a sad note. When Tom joined us on the pod the first time, we were discussing a Ruben Loftus-Cheek start at appearance for Chelsea. Yeah, is, is he on the way back type thing? And you didn't have a great night, Ben. But now we kind of like forget the roof and off the cheek exists at Chelsea. You know, he, he was on the bench yesterday. He was on the bench, which is quite nice to see. But, you know, not even sort of mentioning him as a midfield or an attacking option. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But, yeah, you look, as I said, we were, when we were picking our team for Zenit, you know, we literally couldn't put Callum in one of the attacking positions because we like, we've got to give Timo time. And again, you know, this is even talking, we're without Christian Pulisic at the moment, who's injured. So when you throw him in, that's the way it's going to be. Interesting discussion point as well. So yeah, no, I do think our you know our, our general depth is pretty good. Maybe slightly weak in one or two positions, but I'm sure we can find a way around that. But I do think you know the squad we've got is yeah is is capable of challenging on, on all fronts this season, which is something Chelsea's not been able to do for years. So that's really really encouraging. Um, that's all the questions we have this week. So thank you very much for everyone who sent them in. Before we go, I will get our guest, Tom, to give himself one final plug. So where people can find him, where they can find all his work. So Tom, why don't you go and do that right now? Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, once more, it's at Tom Coley 49 on Twitter and also at the Chelsea Social. Although I don't think that's actually our, our handle, but the Chelsea Social or the Chelsea Social 2 also on Twitter. Lots of lovely people that I'm sure you've already had on the pod. People like Rob and Jam and people like that that you speak to and just most of the good members of the community. Yeah, yeah. All those links will be in the description below, so make sure you check them out. As for us, we're on all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you listen, rate, leave us a rating and a review. That's always, always appreciated. We're on Twitter at that Chelsea pod, so always drop us a follow. If you like the pod, always retweet the pod. It helps us get out there. And um, yeah, 
at the end of the day, we're just Chelsea fans talking about the one club that we love. And when we get a talk about Romelu Lukaku bagging two goals despite only having 25 touches and Mateo Kovacic turning into Frank Lampard, you know, it's all it's all happy days. So um, until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag for an eye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.